Greetings, passengers of the Brace in Place podcast, a podcast all about the TV show Snowpiercer. I will be your conductor slash podcast host, Hillary. Be advised that this podcast does contain spoilers, so use caution as needed. Today's episode will include a recap of Season 2, Episode 3, titled A Great Odyssey. We will then continue by discussing theories and unanswered questions, as well as what loose ends we hope to see tied up in the future. As always, we will end with our segment, What Random, Burning, Completely Irrelevant Question About the Train Has Hillary Asked This Week? But first, brace in place for our official entry into this episode, which begins with our recap. Hello, passengers. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Brace in Place. As always, feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, That does help people find the show and helps just kind of keep, uh, keep the show, I don't know because I'm not really aiming to do it to have it be popular. But, you know, just leave a review. It's just a nice thing to do. And my husband told me to put that in the notes to do. So leave a review. Um, And, you know, offer me any kind of criticism or positive feedback. Um, This is my first gig as a solo podcaster. So I'm always looking to to learn new things and see what you guys think about what I'm doing here with my little show. Also, look for our Facebook group. Um, We do have some discussions going on there about episodes and things, just search on Facebook for Brace in Place, a Snowpiercer podcast. I also post the link for the, uh, for the, through Spreaker on the Facebook group. So if anybody wants to find the Facebook group and see that I post that link, then you can uh, chime in and chat with me directly while I record the uh, episode. Not a ton of people have done that. So it kind of, uh, is unknown if I'm able to multitask in that way. Even thinking about that kind of made me get stumbled on my words. So (laughs) we'll see. Um, But I think it it can be kind of fun when we do that on the other uh, podcast that I guest co-host on sometimes to get some questions from people and just kind of interact with you guys. So if you guys want to do that, the link is on the Facebook group uh, as I get going with my recording. So here we go with this episode. Um, This episode was called A Great Odyssey. It's the third episode in season two. And I titled the episode of this podcast, A Great Great Odyssey dot 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 more like a mediocre one because I initially wasn't super crazy about this episode. Um, I've I had to watch it twice to kind of get a full feeling of what they were trying to do here. And I think maybe I'm just so used to the fast pace of previous episodes that I don't know if I've fully settled into my appreciation for this one yet. But maybe it's coming. I'm not sure. It was just it was pretty, pretty calm, um, kind of a touchy feely kind of episode, which you'd think I would enjoy. But it just I don't know, I just need to kind of let it settle a little bit. But basically what this episode did, and I'll go through my recap, that's how we'll start here. The uh, episode starts with Wilford in his fancy little car, fancy little solo car, making an announcement to the whole train. And I, I believe it showed him smoking a doobie already. So it was first thing in the morning and this guy's high already. So that just kind of gives you a little bit of a perspective about Mr. Wilford. Not that there's anything wrong with smoking marijuana, but, you know, doing it at 8 a.m. when you're 
when you're in a position like he is might not be the best idea, but you know, whatever. Um, he talks about how people need to sacrifice like I see Bob in his little announcement. Um, and he talks about how he saved the train from a gibbering pack of hyenas. So he is not holding back. Um, he's just putting it right out there that this is his position. He's there to save the train. The next scene we see is Icy Bob, who's this giant, almost superhero looking guy um, that's got extra skin and seems like he does not get affected by the cold. They, The doctors that are over on Big Alice put him in, it looks like almost like a phone booth um, or like one of those machines at Chuck E. Cheese where you grab all the tickets and stuff. Um, they put him in one of those and it looks like they're kind of testing his tolerance for um, for temperature, trying to see how he can respond to the temperature and almost how dead they can make him before he totally gets dead and can't be brought back to life. Um, it shows Wilford coming in and kind of seeing uh, Icy Bob laying there um, on a stretcher after this little experiment and Wilford wants the doctors to push him even further. They want, Wilford wants to see um, what will happen to Icy Bob if he's pushed even further than we just did. So that, we'll talk a little bit about that in a little bit. Next scene, you see Leighton, Ruth, Melanie, Ben, there might have been some other people in there. Um, Javi might have been in there. Up in the a big engine, up in the front of the train, um, and they're talking on the phone to Mr. Wilford about Melanie leaving. So remember, they've discovered that um, there's snow falling outside. They did a little test run with a, I don't know, a sky balloon weather balloon kind of thing um, to verify their hypothesis. And it turns out, yes, the earth is warming up much faster than we thought. So they want to um, get Melanie to a station um, so that she can continue testing the environment to see what's going on with their time frame and basically how they can make it um, livable for the human race. And so what was interesting about this scene that I thought was uh, Mr. Wilford picked up right away on the fact that Layton was in there. Um, and so he says, Oh, Layton is in there with the engineers and Layton is very quick to respond. Civilian oversight. Uh, we need some civilian oversight. It can't just be the engineers that are making these decisions that affect everybody. Um, during this conversation, also, Melanie comes up with a list of things that she needs for this little adventure um, to go out and do the testing on the weather. And she, and so I, you know, it's parts, supplies, food, I don't know what's on that list. But she, she writes this list down, and she gives it to Ruth, who immediately starts criticizing the fact that it's not on the right stationery, um, which about made me spit out my drink when she said that, because Ruth is just so detail oriented and hospitality is just she lives and breathes it. Um, which I kind of, I kind of respect in a certain way, even though she takes it a bit far and has taken her allegiance to her role a bit far. Um, but I, I kind of have often thought what I would do if I didn't do the current job that I do. Um, and doing some hospitality where you have a certain uh, stationery for a list of items that you need for a weather study. Um, that's the kind of detail oriented type of stuff that I that my brain is kind of uh, 
attracted to in a weird way. Um, so I just, I, I, I loved that part. This isn't the right stationery. Oh, Ruth. Oh my goodness. Then we go on to Melanie, uh, talking to Layton and they're having kind of a talk about Ruth. Um, and Melanie tells Layton, don't lie to her. Don't lie to Ruth. Um, you know, I basically ruined the whole friendship that, uh, that we had, you know, for years and years and years. And, and I've, I've thought this too. I wonder what Ruth's reaction would have been like if she had been honest with her years ago about it. Um, what would have happened? So Melanie tells Layton, she's a straight arrow if you can keep her. So basically just kind of showing that Melanie is, I felt kind of mourning the loss of that friendship, um, and trying to have the same thing not happen to Layton again. Layton then begins to offer a trade, uh, fresh food for parts. And basically then we find out that, um, that Wilford has multiple, multiple cars full of parts. Um, and it's, <laughs> I, I, I kind of laugh a little bit at some of the scenes on Snowpiercer. God bless the efforts that they go to um, to make these places that are not actual train cars look like train cars. But some of the scenes, I mean, it looked like it was an Amazon warehouse or something. I, I don't, <laughs> I did not think that that looked like that could be realistically in even a large type of train. Um, but you know what they say, suspension of disbelief. Um then you see Layton go talk to Josie. Josie is still in the, um, in the hospital. So I guess now we've basically confirmed that, yes, this is Josie. Um, and this reunion does not go very smooth. Um, Layton, um, Layton and Josie are talking and immediately Josie is not happy with him. Uh, she is telling him how, you know, they sacrificed 30 plus people, um, for the good of the train and all of the things that were promised to people that agreed to fight were, um, none of those goals have happened. Um, the democracy is not happening. The equality is not, it's not really happening and everything is kind of on hold. Um, I, I felt a little annoyed with Josie at this point. Um, it's kind of like, don't you realize that there's kind of been all this other stuff going on? Um, but maybe we'll kind of get a little bit more, of Josie's perspective in future episodes, but I was a little annoyed with her at that point. Um, then Alex, then Alex and Melanie kind of start to have some of their moments during this episode, which I felt that was kind of at the heart of this episode was Alex and Melanie. Melanie's asking her basic questions about herself, you know, who pierced your ears? What kind of things do you like? Do you have friends? Um, to which Alex sadly basically said no. Um, she was kind of the youngest one on Big Alice and there wasn't really any other kids her age. So maybe that's why she has taken to Wilford the way that she has, or maybe that's why she's so smart and so good at engineering already for her young age. Cause she didn't have anything else to do. She didn't have kids to play with. It does, doesn't sound like there was a school on Big Alice, like there was on Snowpiercer. Alex, um, Melanie then asks Alex, that was hard to say. Melanie asks Alex, uh, where do you sleep? And Alex decides, oh, I'll show her where I sleep. So she takes her to her bunk and the two of them sit in the little bunk. All of the bunks on Big Alice are the same. Everybody sleeps in the same kind of quarters, um, except Wilford, of course, who has his, um, little train car mansion 
set up there. Um, they're sitting there and Melanie notices that Alex has a bunch of strings and, um, I'm losing the word thumbtacks, uh, kind of string and thumbtacks to map out the route of Snowpiercer and Big Alice. And they kind of have a moment because they realize that Wilford taught both of them how to do that. Um, Alex also shows Melanie a picture that she drew of her. And they kind of have a moment where they both realize that they both had been thinking for years and years and years about what the other person looks like. Um, and Melanie says, you know, I've, I imagined your face too. They have a moment where Melanie takes her hand and puts it on Alex's cheek and she, she lets it stay there for a couple minutes. Um, and it was a very sweet moment. I, I did enjoy that. And it does feel like their relationship is developing. I still am not totally sure about Alex. And there was some chatter online in some of the, um, Snowpiercer groups that I'm in about not totally knowing if she's just as manipulative as Wilford is. And if this is all part of some kind of grander scheme, or if she is definitely kind of softening a little bit, only, only time will tell. Then we find out that everybody needs to muster. Um, and this was a like new word of the day. Pee Wee Herman, everybody scream, ah, muster. Ah, I, I didn't know what the hell that was. I had to look it up. The muster point is the location that personnel evacuate to in the event of an emergency. So I, 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 I don't know. I just, I'd never heard that word. So, uh, everybody starts talking about mustering, mustering, everybody get to your muster point, um, because there is a derailment threat. They're going up all these mountains and they're taking all these big curves so that, um, so that Melanie can get to her location to hop off the train and go do her research. And one of these curves or one of these mountains is, is a really scary uh, stretch. And so there's a possible derailment. So they have to get everybody to the same spot because that helps the train muster up the energy. That's how, that's what I thought muster meant. Um, kind of gather up the energy and the strength to power through and get to where it needs to get to safely. So during that time, Alex is over on Big Alice and Melanie is over on Snowpiercer, but they're talking through the phone system and, oh, I thought I had a sneeze. Um, and they kind of work together in this way um, to prevent the derailment, which, you know, maybe that was a little bit of excitement for uh, for that episode. So maybe I need to kind of keep my criticism of this episode in check. It did have a little bit of excitement, um, but it did kind of come and go pretty quickly. Um, but they worked together. Um, Melanie and Alex, they worked together to, to get this goal figured out and to get, keep everybody safe. Um, there was a moment where Alex has a tear, goes down her cheek, and Wilford tells her, that's the last tear I'll allow. And then Alex responds, that's the last one you'll get, which kind of took me aback. And as soon as I heard that, I kind of thought, well, is she sticking it to him? Is she telling him that's the last one you'll get because I'm completely emotionally detaching from you and you don't get to see that vulnerable side of me anymore because you're kind of a psycho or did it mean that's the last one you'll get because I'm not going to allow myself to show that weakness anymore, period, because we want Melanie off of this train, something that 
Wilford made her literally say out loud, we want Melanie off this train. Um, so I, I don't think that that sentence is as easily interpreted as maybe um, I first thought. I think maybe there could be a couple different ways to interpret that. Uh, during all of this chaos, Leighton and Josie decide now would be a good time to take off her bandages. Um, so definitely when I'm stuck in a hospital train car because I can't go to my muster spot, that's definitely the time I decide to see my deformed face for the first time. But you know, whatever. Um, that part was pretty anticlimactic. It was just kind of like she just stared at herself in the mirror and then it moved on. Um, at this point, it's time for Alex to go uh, with Melanie to kind of help get her off of the train to do her research. And I sensed a little bit of jealousy with Wilford when he tells Alex goodbye. Um, there was that sneeze again. Sorry. It just needs to just come out. Um, and Wilford. Uh, so, yes, Wilford is jealous. Wilford doesn't like that. Um, that they're spending time together, I don't think. Um, and he was kind of uh, a little bit, I don't know, a little bit snarky about it, I thought. Um, at this point, uh, Melanie is talking to other adults and telling them, you know, I think she said this to Leighton, just so you know, the success of this mission is whether I get the data or not. It's not whether I survive. Um, so I thought that was an interesting point. And I will talk about that in the next segment. Leighton then says, um, and then it, it cuts to another segment where Leighton is talking to Pike. Um, he caught Pike on uh, the shitter and Pike says, you caught me on the shitter. Um, and Leighton basically talks to him about uh, getting the weed trade moving. Um, one side of the train has weed. The other side of the train has fresh fruit, um, fresh food chickens, things like that. And so there could really be a, an interesting trade that goes on there. So I think Leighton is smart to, um, to get some things like that going, because you got to kind of keep the, the train happy and give people a purpose. Um, you know what they say about idle hands, that kind of thing. Um, then you see Melanie sitting with Ruth, getting ready to, uh, getting ready to depart. And Melanie tells Ruth, um, I would like for you to look after Alex if something happens to me. And you can tell that Ruth is still uber pissed at Melanie um, for lying to her all this time about Wilford being, uh, being on the train. And then she thinks he's dead. And then it turns out he's alive and he's on another train. And Ruth is just still very pissed. Um, but Ruth shed a tear, uh, a couple tears when Melanie asks her to look after Alex and basically said, yes, that would be my honor. So, uh, I enjoyed that part too. Um, so maybe we'll see an interesting friendship, um, happen between Ruth and Alex. Maybe those two can bond in the future. Um, and then the, the episode ends with Melanie and Alex saying goodbye to each other. Uh, Melanie has, uh, an interesting conversation with Alex about, how she knows that Alex pushed the button to disengage the trains and that she knows that she knew that Alex knew that that would kill all those people. Um, but Melanie says, I know that Wilford was telling you to do that. And that is on his conscience. That's not on yours. 
Um, and Alex seemed to really take that to heart and really kind of get her thinking about, um, maybe I have been manipulated. So I think it's, it's going to be, um, you know, we just have to wait and see. We just have to wait and see what the show decides to do with Alex's level of, uh, manipulation and, and strength and ability to realize how um, gaslit she's been all of these years. So now moving on to predictions and questions about the show that um, that I hope that we will have answered coming up here. The uh, A big one is there's been some talk of Wilford already being on the train, um, already being on Snowpiercer. So even when um, we thought that he was on Snowpiercer, but then we found out that people thought he had died, and then it turns out he's alive, but he's on this other train. Um, there's been some talk on some Facebook groups and stuff about um, who who people think that that already was, and so who do they think um, might have known all along what was going on, um, that Wilford wasn't on the train, but that he had Big Alice and all that stuff. So there's a lot of theories going on about who that might be. Um, I personally think that there might be some significance to the fact that we saw people flashing that W sign with their fingers, which is super gross because now we know that Lights had her fingers cut off to permanently be in that position. Um but the first time we saw that, I think, was on the second class cafe car. Um, that cute little car that's kind of like greenish and has like little, you know, just looks like a looks like a diner, um, little cute little diner car. Um, so I wonder if that might have some significance. And all of those guys that were working out in the um, in the gym. I, I felt like those were second class, but correct me if I'm wrong. So I feel like there might be some significance to is somebody um, in the second class was the, was somebody in second class already uh, a plant for Wilford, a spy. Um, maybe that could be Miss Audrey. Uh, some people have thought she's been pretty sus. I don't know. Um, but then like thinking outside the box of second class, um, what else could be going on? Who else could be involved? I, my brain keeps going back to LJ. Um, if she was involved with the attack on uh, lights, we already know she likes cutting off people's appendages. Um, I don't think it would be that big of a stretch to go from cutting off wieners to cutting off fingers. I don't know. I've never done either and never will, I don't think. Um, so, and we, we saw LJ give Wilford the big hug. Um, I just think maybe LJ is part of this. We also see Terrence, um, the janitor, uh, basically kick Pike out of the VIP section of the night car, I believe he was in. Um, so that tells me Terrence is still very class oriented. Um, so maybe he has something to do with, with Wilford. I also continually go back to Zara. Uh, the whole pregnancy thing just feels really convenient and suspicious and she's obviously super weird so I don't I don't know I, I wonder if Zara might have had something to do with it also we know that Zara is not above leaving her family to do what is best for her um, and I'm not really putting her down for that decision um, and I don't really even totally get that decision that at some point a space in third class opened up so she just so they just moved her up because they thought she could work in that little 
I don't even know what to call it, but they had some kind of <laughs> some kind of relationship scheme going on. Um, and they thought maybe she would be good for it. So they moved her up. I don't totally get what happened with that. Um, but she's she's not above doing what she needs to do for herself. Um, and obviously she tried to almost kill Josie. So I don't know, maybe Zara is involved in all this. I also wonder uh, if there was some foreshadowing going on when Leighton and Melanie were having their talk about Ruth. And Melanie was very clear that do not lie to Ruth. Um, Ruth strikes me as a very, obviously very loyal um, type of character. And Leighton understands don't lie to Ruth. But is is that some foreshadowing? Is there going to be some some kind of situation where Leighton feels like he has to mislead Ruth or lie to her um, in some way. And then what's what's the most interesting to me is wondering how she's going to handle that. Um, is she going to st- stick true to her old ways and not be very flexible with that kind of thing? Or is that just going to forever sour Leighton to her as well? Um, is she going to forgive Melanie? I'm I'm want to see that happen too. Um, I, I do feel like anybody who would understand um, everything that Melanie has been put through and all this, the decisions that she had to make um, would at least realize, even if you don't understand it or agree with it, would at least maybe appreciate how difficult of a position that would be in. Then we get Melanie getting the data. She wants to, she, she stressed me going on this mission the success of this mission is not whether I live or die. It's me getting the data. So I don't think that they're going to kill the character off. There's a lot of people online talking about, is she going to leave? Is she going to be still on the show? Um, I don't think they're going to kill her off. I think she's just too integral of a part of the show. I think that they're going to have her get into some deep shit out doing her research. Um, And if that's some kind of avalanche, if that's I don't know, something. She's just going to get into some trouble out there. Um, I think it's going to be dramatic. um, And I think there's going to be moments where we wonder if she's going to survive. But I think she's going to come back. Um, I I do. I think she's going to come back. Maybe she'll um, need some more of that goop. Maybe she'll have some kind of large um, facial facial deformity or something um, due to being outside. And that'll be kind of like her her you know, tiger stripe of being out there and helping Snowpiercer, you know, save the human race. I don't know. I just think something really dramatic is going to happen with that. But I do think she's going to survive. And I'm still holding on to maybe some hope, maybe some dread. I'm not totally sure because I really do dislike the characters, Um, the Folgers, all of those people on that train still wondering if they are somehow on Big Alice. Uh, people online have been saying, um, you know, Wilford talks like he has no knowledge of Snowpiercer. Um, so, you know, if, if he had a bunch of people on his train that were on Snowpiercer, um, then of course he would know how they work and what resources they have and what a tail is and what a taily is and all those kinds of things. But I give the same response to that as I've been giving. He's a liar. He's a manipulator. And of course, he's going to play dumb with it if it means he gets to keep all these people secret. He had all of those supplies that he kept secret. I mean, this man really knows no bounds. So I'm not I'm not giving him any benefit of the doubt. Um, I think that these people could very much still be alive. And as somebody else pointed online too, pointed out online too, um, we never saw a dead Josie. 
it was just kind of implied. And maybe that could be the same thing with all of these train cars that uh, it was implied that they were cut off and fell off of the mountain or, you know, just kind of derailed and everybody died of frostbite and hypothermia or whatever, but we never saw it. So who knows, maybe they could be brought back. Um, I'm kind of hoping for that because I just think it would be interesting. Um, and I, I do kind of want to see uh, some of those characters that were possibly killed off continue to develop. We also learn that several of these cars, um, 27 of the cars on Big Alice are for storage for all of these parts and everything. So that means that there's, when you take into account... Um, one car for Mr. Wilford for his extravagant luxury car, train car. Um, that leaves 13 cars for the hundred people that are supposedly on Big Alice. That's not a ton of space, um, for all of these people. So that's just something else to think about that maybe there will be some similar feelings, even if the conditions aren't the exact same as the tail. Um, that's still pretty cramped quarters. So we'll have to see what happens with that. Another question that I would like answered that I'm sure we will have answered at some point is what is the point of Icy Bob? What is he doing? Why did they create him? And what's the point? Um, is it possible that he is uh, being created in the way that he's been created to have some kind of um, thick skin, obviously, to, um, to be able to be out in the cold because everybody wants to get off the train and they're trying to find ways to survive the cold? Um, is Wilford trying to fast track um, his the research on Icy Bob because he wants to release Icy Bob out into um, the cold to harm Melanie since Melanie is out there in the cold. Um, I don't know, but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the point of Icy Bob is, is and what the point of him is. Um, the next th question to think about is of course, miles, what has happened with uh what has happened with Miles and the other kids. So still looking forward to seeing what has happened with them because there was a mention of Miles and Miles in this episode. Um, Josie said something about how she didn't want him to see her the way that she, the state that she is. Um, but other than that, no mention of Miles or the kids. So wondering what's going to happen with that. The last um, kind of prediction that I have or thing to look forward to is Josie, Josie knows about the baby, knows about um, Leighton and Zara, but it, it seemed to me that maybe she thought that they hooked up after Leighton thought that she was dead. And to me, it's very different if he hooked up with Zara before Josie died, but when him and Josie hadn't solidified their relationship yet versus they hooked up an hour after he thought that Josie was dead. That just feels way ickier to me. And maybe I'm alone in that thinking, but I think she needs to know. I think she needs to know that Leighton and Zara hooked up before Josie and Leighton did, before Josie and Leighton even kissed, I think. Um, so I just wonder what's going to happen with the three of them and how that relationship is going to play out. So I look forward to that. 
Now our last segment here in our Brace in Place podcast episode today, our random, burning, completely irrelevant question today is, is farting on Snowpiercer dangerous? This is something that I honestly asked myself this week while watching this episode. And I I think it was uh, Pike getting caught on the shitter. I think that's what led to me wondering about this. Um, So I've got a lot of questions about this. Um, Is farting on Snowpiercer dangerous just from a chemical level? Um, Farts can be flammable. I think we've all, uh, or maybe it was just me growing up in kind of a small um, hick town, um, have seen people fart on, you know, (laughs) a little mini blowtorch lighter kind of thing and make it go big. Um, So farts are flammable. There's chemicals in there that that make things go boom. Um, So what if you have too many people farting in there in a place where I don't know what's going on with the ventilation? Um, Is there some kind of air circulation? I mean, there would have to be. Um, But the outside air is so cold. It's not like, you know, somebody next to you on an Amtrak cuts one and then you can just you know kind of air things out a little bit can you even do that on a regular train it's been I've been on a train maybe twice in the last several years oh my gosh several years yeah it's been a while can you even open a window on a regular train I don't know but doing uh doing this podcast I googled can you fart? What happens when you fart in space? Because I thought maybe that's kind of a similar kind of dynamic. And all of these articles popped up about um, farting in a space suit and what it's like to fart in space um, when you're just, you know, floating around up there. Um, And so in case anybody was wondering what I wondered, um, you cannot necessarily really fart in space and propel yourself. Um, Uh, There was one article that I saw that an astronaut said um, a good sneeze. Mm, Speaking of sneezes, I'm like the sneeze queen today. Um, A sneeze might kind of propel you backwards a little bit, but a fart probably is not. So that was disappointing. But farts in space can be kind of dangerous because it's it's a concealed space with not a lot of air circulation. But it it is some kind of ventilation model that makes it so um, from the very brief research that I did doesn't really stink too much and it's not a huge huge risk it's not like they're going to blow up the space station because of a fart but we don't know a lot about how the mechanics of Snowpiercer work so is there a similar kind of ventilation system if somebody farts on Snowpiercer is that shit going to linger for hours Um, because maybe the ventilation system somehow starts at one end and works its way down. Is one fart going to move all the way from Big Alice and end up all the way on Snowpiercer? I don't know. I don't know. Other things that affect one's farts are, of course, what you eat. And we know that they're all basically eating the same thing because they're all stuck on the train together. Um, Does eating human meat make you fart more? Ugh. That's an icky question to ask, but I asked myself it this week. Um, They're all eating the same things. They're all sometimes eating human meat. What does that do for your digestive system? Um, I know starches can increase gas. They're probably eating a lot of starchy stuff on there. Um, Some artificial sweeteners can increase gas in people. Um, I doubt they've got real sugar on that train um, because that's a plant and they don't have a ton of room to grow that kind of stuff. So they're probably using a lot of artificial stuff. Um, I don't know. We also know stress. Stress can really increase uh, farts and gas and 
I would think people are probably pretty stressed out on Snowpiercer. Um, the only people that I would think would not be stressed out on Snowpiercer would be the people in first class, obviously. Um, but even in the last couple weeks, the they've been their world has been turned upside down too. I know, wah, wah. Um, but that's probably going to lead to some farts, some first class farts. I also wonder about, I wonder how long I could talk about this, probably a while. Um, What about the social aspect of farting on a train? On a train like Snowpiercer, where you know you're going to be stuck with these people for years and years and years. What if you get on Snowpiercer and you only know your mate, because they said that everybody boarded in twos, like the Ark. What if you only know your mate And your mate steps out to go to the bathroom or something. So you're talking with new people, um, realizing that these are the only people you're going to see probably for the rest of your life. And you're going to be stuck on this train with them for the next 20 years or however long. And then you accidentally fart on day one. What if you're then known as the farter? Would you would you lean into that? Or try to fight it? What would, what would you do? I don't know. I think maybe I would just lean into it. Maybe I would start a movement that when you have to fart on Snowpiercer, maybe there's a farting car. Or maybe there's some kind of fart etiquette. Maybe there's certain cars that have better ventilation than others. So maybe it's just kind of understood that you go there. Or maybe it's just understood that if you fart like everybody's going to fart sometimes. And it just maybe, maybe there's just going to be a movement to take away that stigma of it because it's a natural, normal human thing. And you're all just trying to survive. I don't know. Would the rules change? How would this work in the tail? How, how did it work in the tail when there was no privacy? Um, we saw, uh, Pike had some kind of little, It looked like he was still in the tail during the part where he got caught eavesdropping on Leighton. He he kind of had like a little makeshift bathroom there where he was kind of, you know, behind a curtain kind of thing. Would you fart in there? What if you're a loud farter? Um, Because we're not really talking about the SBDs. We're talking about some of, you know, I mean, we are talking about the SBDs because those are the ones that would stink that might light the train on fire if it's too flammable. But as far as the social aspect it would be the loud farts that could really like ostracize you or maybe not. If everybody just kind of came together and said, you know what, we're just not going to make a big deal about this anymore because we got bigger fish to fry. Anyway, tell me your thoughts on farting on Snowpiercer and any other thoughts that you have that might actually be of significance because I just talked about farting on Snowpiercer for a really long time. And I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see what all of you think about that. So that ends this episode of Brace in Place. And feel free to tune in next week as we continue uh, with season two. So as Pike says, you caught me on the shitter. <laughs>